Jeff and I moved. <laughs> Loaded all our stuff into a moving truck and we moved. And there's one thing I can say with 100% certainty. We have too much stuff. Way too much stuff. Got to see it all piled into this huge truck that was supposed to fit 2,000 square feet, is what we were told by the moving company. And yet our tiny little house filled this truck to capacity so that the people who were helping us move didn't even know where to put their ladder. Like, they seriously could barely close this truck. And I knew we have way too much stuff. Don't know what to do with this stuff. There's boxes all over our house right now. And I was thinking about this message before we moved, <laughs> but became even more appropriate as I started preparing our message this week. Looking at the Beatitudes. Um, blessed, being blessed. And there's something that I say, there's something you say that we all say all the time is, wow, we're so blessed. And we are, my husband and I are so blessed. We're blessed to have a new home that is going to uh, take Jeff only nine miles away from work instead of 40 miles away from work. We're blessed to have each other. We're blessed to have these wonderful sweet dogs and to have a place to call home and food to eat every day. We are so blessed. Uh, how often do you say that? I'm so blessed. I think this is more of an adult thing than a kid thing, but I'm sure as kids you hear it all the time. You know, your adults saying, you know, we're so blessed. We're so blessed to have this. We're so blessed to be here. We're so blessed. And so when I was reading, through some of the sermons of Jesus, and I saw the way that this word blessed was, was used, it made me think about things a little bit differently than I had before. The Beatitudes, which uh, were so wonderfully wet, read for us by Jordan. Um, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up to Luke chapter 6, starting in verses 20. Jesus is giving uh, one of his famous sermons um, here in Luke, and he had this to say, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are poor. That doesn't occur to us a lot of the times to say that we're blessed if we're, we're poor, and, and I was thinking about what that meant, and so I started thinking back on, on my experiences growing up, and I remember the day, I think it was in high school sometime, when I realized, looking back at when I was a kid, that my family was really poor growing up. And I hadn't noticed it at the time. Like, my parents, uh, we never really felt like we were missing things, but I started thinking back on things that happened as we were kids. And uh, my parents used to take me to this really great store called Dorcas at our church. Uh, a lot of churches don't have Dorcas anymore, but Kids, if, if you've ever heard of it, Dorcas was actually a, a room the church had where everything was free. Free clothes or free toys, and it was all used maybe like a Goodwill. Like, I don't know if any of you have been to a Goodwill before, but this was our church's Goodwill called Dorcas. And that's where I got my clothes. That's where I got my stuffed animals. That's where we got so many of the things that we had growing up. And it didn't seem weird. And I remember growing up that our favorite toy, and we were so excited about this toy that my parents had gotten, and it came to our house, and it was actually, we had gotten a refrigerator that came in this really big box. 
And that was my brother and my favorite toy for months was this huge box that was taller than us that we played in for hours. We turned it into a spaceship, it was a train, it was a fort, it was all of these things that we made out of this brand new box, our favorite toy growing up. We loved big boxes. Anytime we had a box and we moved, even if the boxes were, you know, maybe this tall, like you put like linen boxes and we'd line them up and we'd make toys out of boxes. And, and we moved a lot as kids. My dad was a pastor and they had this habit of moving pastors around to churches like every couple of years. So we knew boxes well. Favorite toy, boxes. And uh, the other thing that I, I realized, I heard my dad preach about this recently when I was over at his church. This thing that he used to say when we were out shopping, you know, in, in the grocery store or somewhere, and we'd see something that was really cool that we'd want to get, and we're like, hey, Dad, can we get this? Can we get this cool thing? And my dad would look at us and say, you know, you need to learn to accept the no's before you can hear the yes. Okay. And so it didn't seem weird that my dad said no all the time to toys or stuffed animals, because if we complained about it, then dad was like, so you can't get it, sorry. You gotta be okay hearing the no's before you can hear the yeses. And so we just accepted no. And dad preaching about it, I got to hear it in a different way because you know he couldn't afford to buy us those things. We didn't have the money for him to buy us all these fancy to toys, so he got to say no, and then, you know, every once in a while, he would say yes, and we'd be so happy for any little thing that we got. It was such an exciting thing. And that's what it was like growing up. We were so happy. We were so excited about anything that we could get. Any small thing our parents got for us was an exciting time. We saw the, the blessing in that. But you start getting older. And things started changing, and in about the time I got to junior high, high school, you know, my parents had bought their first house. Uh, my dad was working as a youth pastor at La Sierra University, and, and I don't think we were poor anymore. I think Christmases started to have, you know, piles of presents around the tree that I didn't remember seeing when I was growing up, and it was just, there was a lot. And our attitudes about gifts <laughs> started changing. And uh, my brother was over, and we were talking last night, and he's like, yeah, I remember the year dad gave me his old computer so my dad could get a new computer. But my brother was like, I was really upset, you know, to get this used computer. Like, he was too good for a used computer now. And even though it was a computer back in the 90s, when that was still a really exciting thing, but there wasn't that sense of gratefulness to have something. It was, I wanted something bigger. You know, I wanted something newer, I wanted something better, and that's something I think we're not born with, it's something we're taught. And we see it, right, when you start watching uh, TV. How many of you kids watch TV? Yeah? Looks like most of you watch TV. I won't ask you how much TV you watch, <laughs> because that's a scary number sometimes. But on TV, in the middle of your cartoons or your shows, there are these things if you still watch it, you know, on cable or whatever, called commercials. Now, my husband and I, we don't watch TV anymore. <laughs> we watch Hulu and Netflix, and there's not commercials on those things. So I don't see them as much as I used to, but every once in a while, you know, I'm at my mom's house, and those commercials are still there. And the commercials are filled with all of this stuff. 
these new toys and these new things to play with and these new places to go and how important and how happy you'll be if you have this thing. Um, I think the other thing that happened when we moved here to California is that we were surrounded by all my cousins who had cool things. Like, I don't know if they have this anymore, so you kids have to tell me. It's a car, like a little Jeep or whatever that kids can drive. They have that? You have that? I thought that was the coolest thing ever. I had never seen those before, but my cousin AJ had this really cool Jeep that he could drive. So my parents had gotten us this red and yellow Fisher Price car that you have to pedal with your feet. And we got it at Dorcas and it was awesome and we were so excited, but who cares about Fisher Price cars? You have to pedal with your feet when there are tiny little Jeeps that you can push on the gas pedal and go. And our car wasn't good enough anymore. We wanted this better car. And my cousin Valerie had all these new dolls and shelves and shelves of Barbies and their Barbie houses and their Barbie wardrobes and their Barbie cars and all of these things I hadn't seen before. I think the other thing is we didn't really have a television growing up, so we didn't know those things existed. In Andrews, where my dad lived, we had one, one television station, one, and I think it was PBS. That was the only station I knew of. So we got a lot of Sesame Street. And that's it. Your attitudes start to change. And there's a sense, I think uh, the word I was, I was thinking about is a sense of entitlement. And I hear that talking a lot about, you know, my generation and the generation that comes after me is that there is a sense that we deserve all the stuff. We deserve it. I, it's not that this thing is there and, you know, and I, it would be nice to have it, but I deserve to have it, and if I don't have it, I'm upset. Because I deserve to have the new phone that just came out. I deserve to have this new doll. I deserve to go to that movie. I deserve it. Instead of being grateful and feeling blessed for the things that we have. It's a completely different mindset when you're poor. When you literally can't have all of the things of this world, and you're looking at the things that you do and have the heart of Christ to say, it's okay, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to be alive. I'm blessed to have a family. I'm blessed for any small thing that I have. I'm blessed. And uh, it's a challenge. Because how do we... Raise our kids not to learn to be entitled and instead be blessed. And kids, as we get older, how do we keep on just being happy with the things that our parents give us instead of feeling like, mm, well, it's not good enough. I want something better. I want something bigger. I want something newer. And this toy that I got a few months ago isn't good enough. I want the new toy now. Adults have their own version of this with cell phones. <laughs> We want the newer cell phone, the shinier cell phone, the fancier cell phone. More, more, new, new, better, better. But Jesus said, blessed are the poor. There's a, a phrase Jesus used a lot in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, where he would say, you have heard it said, 
but I say. And he would turn things around. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye, but I say, turn the other cheek. You have heard it said, but I say. So here in our world, the world says, the more you have, the more money, the bigger house, the bigger toys, the happier you will be. But Jesus says, blessed are the poor. What are we going to listen to? Are we going to listen to the world? Because the truth is with the world, they say that you're going to be happy, but you're not. If you buy into what the world says, there will never be enough. There will never be enough toys, and there will never be enough money, and there will never be enough stuff that you feel, okay, I'm good. I don't need any more stuff. This is enough. No, you always want more, and you always want newer. Versus Jesus, if you learn to feel blessed with what you have, if you learn to realize that you are poor, nothing you have is yours. All of it is a blessing for now. And if it were all gone tomorrow, you would not be any less blessed. You would still have the things that matter. And those people who matter are right next to you. Those people who matter are the God who loves you and wants to provide for you. If you'll just learn to see the blessings he's already given and in your heart realize we are all poor. Jesus blesses are the poor for theirs are the kingdom of heaven. When we acknowledge that we are all poor and all of the stuff we own is not really ours, we get a taste of what it's going to be like to be in God's kingdom. Where it's not about how much stuff you own. It's about how much you have of the things that matter. How much love do you have? How much hope do you have? How much peace do you have? How much of God's blessings have you embraced in your life? So who are you going to listen to, huh? You going to listen to the world? Or are you going to listen to Jesus? I was going to go through all of the Beatitudes, but I think I get a homily today and not as much of a sermon. So I'm going to go through the rest very quickly. Um, blessed are the hungry. Now, I don't know how many of you, kids, how many of you had breakfast this morning? Breakfast? Yeah? I like breakfast. Breakfast is good. I wanted to ask, how many of you guys have been truly hungry? I remember when I was a kid, I used to say, I'm starving all the time. And my mother would roll her eyes at me. You're not starving. But it felt like it, right? I hadn't eaten in four or five hours, and I was starving. I need food right now. And my mom would shake her head, because you don't know what it's like to be starving. And I had to try to think to stop saying that. And every once in a while, and even now as an adult, when, you know, it's been seven or eight hours since I've eaten, and I'll, and I'll catch myself saying it, and then I'll stop. Okay, I'm not desperately hungry. I'm just kind of hungry. It's been a while since I ate. Because there are people who are starving. And for most of us, maybe some of you guys missed breakfast because breakfast on Sabbath mornings is kind of difficult when you're rushing to get to church. And so you're really looking forward to potluck and you're starting to think, I wonder what they'll have for potluck today. And, you know, you're not even listening anymore because the food is out there 
and it's waiting, and you're really hungry. <laughs> so maybe you haven't eaten since dinner yesterday, and, and that seems like a long time. But have you noticed that the longer you go without food, the more grateful you are when the food gets there? Um, my parents uh, didn't really let us be picky about food. That wasn't an option we had. <laughs> we had to eat the food that was there. But I had a cousin who only ate pizza and only drank Diet Coke. That was it. Refused to eat anything else but pizza and Diet Coke. And he was being raised by his grandmother who didn't really know what to do with him, so she just kept giving him the pizza and the Diet Coke because you know, she didn't want him to go starving. You know, he needed to eat. Didn't realize, you know, like, no, 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 I'm, not, I'm too good for that food. I want this food. Instead of realizing how blessed you are to have the food to begin with. I know a lot of us have the prayer we do before we eat, you know, thank you, Lord, for, for this blessing, for this food we're about to receive. And, and we say it before we eat without always thinking about how blessed we are to have the food that we're about to receive. Um, one thing that always happens to me when I come back from a mission trip, I walk into a grocery store and realize that the world we live in <laughs> is not like anything else that's out there. This grocery store is something that blows people's minds when, when they're coming and visiting our country for the first time because our grocery stores are huge and there's food on all of the shelves and 50 kinds of cereal and, and 20 kinds of peanut butter and how many choices do we have? And it's there. If we're hungry and we don't have food in our house, you can go to the grocery store and it's there. And since we all live in Orange County, there are tons of grocery stores. There's more food than our city could ever eat. And a lot of that food goes to waste because no one will eat it and then it expires and they throw it away. When there are people who are starving I loved the children's story that I heard when I was still pretty new here at Orange about one of the kids in our church, who will go nameless, who saw a man who was actually starving and said, hey, Mom, can't we give him some food? And so her mom and, and her made little lunch bags that they could give away when they saw someone who was truly starving, you know, with oranges or, or a granola bar and water because there are people who are starving. And, and these days, you see them more along the canal. There's whole villages of homeless people. For the people who, who volunteered at Mercy House, we did it for Christmas one day with the youth when I was the youth pastor here. Christmas Day, we went to Mercy House and saw families, kids, in, in the homeless shelter on Christmas Day, teenagers, kids who might have been in the foster system and, and graduated and had no place to go, so they were at Mercy House on Christmas Day. How blessed are we? But there's something more to that because, you know, in the Bible, especially the Jews, they had days called fasting days when you're not supposed to eat. You're supposed to go time without eating because by having that hunger, it reminds us that we are spiritually hungry. And that's not a concept a lot of kids will understand, but as adults, we are always spiritually hungry. And what if we thought about that every time our, our stomach was grumbling and we say, oh, we're hungry, to remember even more, I'm hungry for God. 
I'm hungry for something that this food won't provide. And for the kids to remember every time that you're hungry, you know what? I'm blessed that I have parents who love me who are going to bring me food, that we are so blessed to have what we have. Instead of being upset that you don't get the dessert you want or, you know, it's not your favorite kind of pizza or pasta or whatever it is you're eating that day, that you are blessed to have food when there are kids who don't. There are kids who go to bed hungry and wake up hungry. And during the summer when there's no school, they have even less food. And not all of those are in Africa. They're not all far away. There are some that are here, that live in our neighborhoods, that we know and don't realize how hungry they are. What can we do? We who are blessed to see that in hunger, there is a bigger blessing as we realize how dependent we are on God for everything. Um, I know I wanted to go to John 10.10. That Jesus, when he was telling us these things, it's because what the world says will never make us happy, but he has a message for us that will bring us a life that is fuller and more abundant. More abundant. It means that there's a lot more of it, that the life you have is a better quality life. And that doesn't mean, kids, that you're going to have everything you want. It doesn't mean you're going to be rich. It doesn't mean you're going to be comfortable or that you'll always be happy. Jesus doesn't promise that. And uh, it makes me sad when I hear churches or, you know, the, the pastor on the TV who's promising that if you become a Christian, you'll always be happy. And you'll have everything you want because Jesus doesn't promise that. In fact, even here in the Beatitudes, the last one is, blessed are you when people hate you. You know, blessed are you when, when you're poor and when you're hungry and when you weep. All of these things that we don't tend to want. We don't want to be poor and we don't want to be hungry and we don't want to be sad. And Jesus says, you will be. But blessed are you when you are because you will know I'm here. You will be reminded that this world isn't, isn't going to be permanent, and this too shall pass. Blessed are you. But what our life will be full of, it will be full of love. It will be full of hope and peace and the things that last forever. And if we can teach that to our kids, if our kids can learn to embrace that now, how much more fortunate will they be when they are adults and hopefully don't have to spend tons of time looking for the wrong things instead of realizing that they have what it is that they need. And, and that is what I hope. That is my prayer for you guys, you kids, that you haven't already lost it, <laughs> that you still realize how blessed you are for the things that you have and, and you're not already upset because you don't have more that you can remember that Jesus wants to give you the things that you need because Jesus loves you. And Jesus knows the things that you need better than you do. He knows that you probably don't need that new Game Boy and you probably don't need that new doll or that new toy or that new little electric car that drives you around the yard. What you do need is, is your mom or your dad or the teacher who really cares about you and wants to help you learn everything you can. That you need your church community that is here to help you when things get hard. That you need Jesus. 
And the sooner you learn that, the more joyful you will be growing up. So I challenge you to think about those verses, to start realizing that the blessing comes when you are poor and when you are hungry and when you are sad because you realize just how much you need Jesus and just how much Jesus wants you to know that he loves you. Amen.